All right, so uh, have you heard the Not Done podcast before? No, no? I haven't. This okay. is my first exposure. Have you heard podcasts before? Yes, I have. Okay, so it's like a radio show. You know what's okay. going on. Okay. Yeah. And you could be real close to this mic. All right. It's like talking right. to your wife or wife. girlfriend. How do, how, do, how do I sound? Can you hear me? Wonderful. Wonderful? Okay. Yes. Podcast. I am your host, Iron Man Abdullah. I have uh, the biz, Shaman Warden. Hey, everybody, how you doing? We have a wonderful guest here today, and this is our second in our Doing Business in Africa series with Christopher Jackson. Hey, everyone. Christopher Jackson is the president and founder of the Sub Saharan Africa Transnational Strategic Alliance. And that sounds important. <laughs> it does, it does. <laughs> More importantly, Chris is beloved and known in, here in the community as the guy who knows Africa. You know, if you're talking about Africa and you, you show up at something touching the state house or uh, some investors, it could be big or small. Chris is going to be somewhere nearby. Yeah. If they know if they're trying to do what they know what they're talking about, you're going to see Chris. There. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going on. And I, I and what I love about Chris is he's a phenomenal storyteller. Like his life story is amazing. Really? It, you know. got some life stories, bro. Absolutely. <laughs> I, mean, I got to hear these life stories. <laughs> I know we're a business podcast, but I just like stories. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. We, we, we are kings of tangents and yeah. storytelling. So, And in fact, uh, I think that's why people like us. Yeah. So, um, You feel free to talk. It's okay. Yes. <laughs> this is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead. So um, I know you're doing a lot of amazing things. And oh, wait a minute. You, you went to school here. Well, yes, I did receive some of my education here, but my primary education and um, high school, college were, were all done in Liberia before I came here. I got to get you to just yes. uh, keep your mouth close to the mic sure. as possible. Sure. Yeah. We, we're real relaxed here because someone right now is probably driving in their car, you know, maybe running, yeah. sitting on the business and. You know, your words are just going to resonate in their brain because they're, they're just listening. They're opening up, hopefully. That's what I like to imagine they're doing. <laughs> so t- tell us a little bit about your beginning. Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, I would like to extend my sincere gratitude to the both of you for extending me the invitation to come here today and speak to your audience. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you, sir. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, Shimon knows that uh, this is my passion when it comes to Africa. The reason being is that um, in 1980, uh, I worked with my country's civilian government that was overthrown by the military. Mm-hmm. And before that happened, I was exposed to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. I crossed paths with two wise men who predicted where my country was and where it would be today. Mm-hmm. And based on the information those two gentlemen shared with me, I found myself in the midst of my country's history. Because after the military overthrew the civilian government, the civilian government reinstated me in my position in which I worked. And based on what the two wise men that I crossed paths with had told me was to come, 
I began to see signs of what was coming to my country. Before the military government was overthrown, my country was experiencing economic boom. Our hmm. economy surpassed that of the United States from 1971 to 1980. And he was assassinated right after he became chairman of the organization of African Unity because the powers to be did not want him to expand his vision beyond the borders of Liberia. So anyway, before that happened, um, the economic department of the University of Chicago, they were so impressed mm. with Liberia's economic trend. Yeah. And they put together a team of economists to go to my country and observe what was happening. Why were our, our, our economy was growing at a faster pace than the United States. So they began to review the president's economic policy, mm. which were mostly focused on the private sector, mm -hmm. um, infrastructure development, education, the agricultural sector. Mm. These were key areas that mm. were moving our country's economy. And so when he was overthrown by um, a group of inexperienced military uh, young men who were his bodyguards, so they had access to oh, him. Oh, wow. Okay. These guys, I knew for a fact, having worked in the government, mm. I knew that they were incompetent to govern such. So someone was directing them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So anyway, um, one of the most moving experiences that I had that changed my perspective on life yeah. was an encounter I had with my country's chief justice just before the soldiers came to arrest him. And he shared with me, after hearing about the assassination of the president, he shared with me, he says, listen, these are the reasons why we are here at this particular moment. He says, but I have to tell you, the worst is yet to come. If the soldiers who are coming to arrest me do not take you along with me, he said, don't stay, leave Liberia at, at once because mm. the worst is yet to come. Mm. And if you leave, you will see what I'm talking about. And so, as I said earlier, um, after they were executed, he along with 12 of his um, colleagues. Oh, they killed the him? Yes. Oh, wow. So it was a violent military coup. And, and so, as I said earlier, the military uh, junta reinstated me in my position. I was very young, you know. I did not, <laughs> forgive me, but I have to sh share this with you all. I'm, a, I'm religiously convicted mm. because of where I came from. My life was spared three times, <laughs> okay, in the midst yeah. of the turmoil that was going on in my country. So let me just reiterate. So they came, you, the soldiers came, they, they, they wiped them out, yes. and they left you. They, they, well, they came, they arrested the chief justice who I was with by, the, by accident. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're acting, you visited his house. Yes. He just happened yes. to be there. Yeah. Okay. What, happened, what happened was that his, his, uh, his estate yeah. was not far from a home that was owned by an ex-girlfriend of my grandmother who was very influential in those days. So when his bodyguards heard mm -hmm. that the president had been assassinated yeah. and the, the military junta had issued an arrest warrant for all of the top guys in the government to yeah. be arrested. And he was among those, there were 13 of them. 
okay? Mm. And he was among those. So his brother guys immediately moved he and his family from the estate to the old lady's house where I was, along yeah. with uh, some other friends. And um, so they knew yeah. he was coming. So it was like, hey, let's go. Yes. Okay. They knew the soldiers were coming. Okay. Getting his bodyguards. Okay. So they, 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 they took them, took he and his family to this house where we were. Yeah. And while we were there, his bodyguards they had the radio, so they could hear all of the communication that was going on mm. at the executive mansion where the president had been assassinated and all that. And then. The Chief Justice, knowing his fit at that particular time, said to everybody in the house when he heard that his name was on that list, that the mobility. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, that would freak me out. Yes. I would. <laughs> yes. Anyway, sorry. So he ahead. said to everybody yeah. in the house to leave because he did not want our lives to be in Get danger. Get caught up with that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. So everybody left except me. The reason why I stayed, because as I said, I worked in the government and yeah. I knew some of the stuff that had happened yeah. but I did not know the whole details and so I wanted to hear from him you know yeah. why why are we here yeah and so he took the time knowing very well where he was at that time and shared with me what had happened that caused us to be at that place at that particular time yeah and he said but this is not the end the worst is yet to come and so I would advise you not to stay if the soldiers don't take you along with me. Leave here, and if you leave, you will see what's going to happen. So, yeah, the soldiers came, they spared my life, and they took him. Wow. Two weeks after that, he, along with 12 of his colleagues, were executed in cold blood. Yeah. Okay. So then I began to work with the military, and then I observed that huh, these guys are incompetent. This is exactly what the Chief Justice had told me. Yeah. They can't govern this country. We are in trouble. Yeah, yeah. You know? So um, I had, even though there was martial law in the country, you know, when the military takes over, the, the, yeah, the, yeah. there are restrictions. People cannot leave the, 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 the country. But I was fortunate to get my passport, get my visa, and I checked out of there. <laughs> okay? And, but before that happened, <laughs> I shared with Shimon. <laughs> that story is okay. well, amazing. Go ahead, go ahead, Before that happened, yeah, okay. Because I worked at the international airport of my country, yeah, and I was well liked. Yeah, people just used to gravitate to me and tell me stuff. So one day, a young backish handler approached me. He says, "Chris," he says, "I was just standing at this uh, location and I heard some people talking about some." guy coming back into the country tonight he says you, you know who he is I said who he says oh this guy brought a consignment of drugs into the country just before the president hmm. was assassinated and he was arrested and you were among those who got close to him he says uh, uh, so he's coming back tonight even though he was deported by the late president never to return here because this guy was a known drug dealer in West Africa. He, mm. was, he was powerful, he had money, he was what do you call an Al-Haji, okay? An Al-Haji? Al-Haji, like holy man from Nigeria. Is, was he Muslim? <laughs> was Muslim. Oh wow, yeah, come on brother. That's how he made his money. But anyway, wow. yeah. anyway later did I know yeah. that this guy had already established himself in the military junta before the civilian government was overthrown. Okay, so when the young man shared with me who was coming, I 
really didn't know. He says, just be at the immigration checkpoint at exactly 12.30 a.m. on the last flight. This gentleman will be on it, and you will see him when he gets, when he embarks, you know, from the plane. Yeah. So at exactly 12.30, I went to the immigration checkpoint, and I stood there, and sure enough, the character showed up. We caught eye contact. When he saw me, he smiled. Then he cleared immigration and came straight to me. He says, Chris, he says, I'm back. I said, Alahaji, this time you will be executed because the government is now controlled by the military. And if you brought any drugs into the country, not only are they going to arrest you, but it's a possibility that you will be executed. He says to me, Chris, you're a young man. You don't know what you're talking about. How old, how old was he oh, at that time? At that time, I will say he must have been in his early 60s, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and I was about 19. <laughs> I was very young. I, <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. I was caught up in the midst of all this stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, so he says to me, listen. The last time I was here, you along with the others were giving me orders. He says, now, nah, I'm going to give you and every one of your bosses here at the airport order <laughs> at this time. Okay. He says, so here is my passport. In my passport, there are five suitcases tags. I want you to rush to the aircraft and tell those aircraft maintenance crew guys that if one of those suitcases is missing. Hmm. You along with them will not live to see the sunrise tomorrow. He says. So if you don't want, if you want for them, for those guys to survive, yeah, I suggest you I better rush get these right suitcases. Now. He <laughs> said, you better get there right now because you know what? Uh-huh. <laughs> he said one of the big guys in the military junta <laughs> is on his way right now. If you don't believe me, just wait and see. So to clarify, he was saying get these suitcases out yes. before the, the military guy gets here. No, yeah, get them, secure them before he gets here because it was for them. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> so, so, Enjoy the story. You're like, man, so, you wrapping me up in this, man? No. Anyway. So, so as I rushed toward the aircraft, yeah. the aircraft maintenance crew supervisor approached me. He says, Chris, you know what's going down. I said, that's why I'm here. I'm here to save you guys' lives. Wow. He said, what do you mean? I said, because the gentleman who brought those suitcases said they are for some very important people in the new government. I don't know who they are, but he says one of them is on his way right now to pick them up. And, okay? Yeah. So, so, so he says to me, he says, well, you need to come and see this. So he took me to where the suitcases were. But then his, the aircraft maintenance crew guys have surrounded the suitcases trying to figure out what they're going to do with those suitcases. Then he says to them, he says, guys, Chris got something to share with you all about these suitcases. So they say, Chris, you know who got you? I said, yes. I said, listen, the guy who brought these suitcases sent me here to warn you all that if you even tamper with them, yeah. if one is missing, me along with you will not survive to see the sunrise wow. because he said there were some very important guys in the military junta. So while we were having this conversation, we heard the emergency vehicle. Wow, wow, wow. So I said, oh, oh, that's them coming now. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said that's, that's them coming now. I said, please, guys, I want to leave. So I'm appealing to you all to let 
us stick these suitcases right now to the baggage claim area mm. and see who's coming to get them. Because remember, these guys just killed. This was the eighth month they were in power. Mm. Okay, I said these guys just killed the president. Others, they said they were corrupt. But look, they haven't been in power for a year and already. They're shipping drugs in. Okay, they, wow. they're bringing drugs into the yeah. country. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and so. Um, as we were about to take the suitcases, then one of the aircraft maintenance crew guys said to me, he says, Chris, I saw that uh, Alahaji, I remember the one that was arrested just before the president was overthrown and he was deported not to come back. I said, yes, that's the character. They said, wow. I said, yes. He says, uh, he's connected to the big guys in the military. Mm. So we rushed the suitcases into the baggage claim area and we put them on the surveyor belt. As soon as we hit, the back this clean area the soldiers just came from nowhere just <sighs> secure the whole area soldiers everywhere secure the whole area wow then the drug dealer walks into the terminal with the number three guy of the military general wow he was the secretary general standing next to him with his bodyguards too. then um, he asked the uh, drug dealer he says who has your passport the drug dealer pointed to me and then the military general Secretary General gestured to me with his fingers as if to say, come. So I walked towards him and said, do you have his passport? I said, yes, I gave him the passport. So he opened up the passport. He took out the five suitcases tags. Then he showed them to the drug dealer so that he would confirm that those were the actual tags. And he says, yes. Then he gave them to his bodyguards, the military general. He gave them to his bodyguards. He says, guys, go get those suitcases. By then, because they had been going around on this civilian belt for so long, yeah. we could smell the marijuana everywhere. Oh, man. <laughs> now, check this out. Oh, man. Check this out. Oh, man. There were other flights that had landed, so there were other passengers. So it's just airing out all everywhere. Man. Oh, man. So, so, so all, all, all of the big guys at the airport, the immigration inspector, the yeah. custom, yeah. police, my boss, oh, everybody geez. just had attention. Nobody could say a word. You could have dropped a pin and you would have heard it. Wow. Because people were afraid. Soldiers everywhere. So his bodyguards went, took the suitcases of the uh, conveyor belt, brought them to him, sat them in front of he and the uh, drug dealer. He told them, examine the suitcases. They examined the suitcases. They had not been tampered with. And he says to them, take them outside. So as they were leaving, he and drug dealers not turned around to leave. Then the general, he turned around and he looked at me. He says, you, you're coming with us. When he says, oh, you. <laughs> I, said, right, I said, this is number two now. I'm out of here. <laughs> so I looked at my boss. I looked at my fellow co-workers. I looked at all my friends. Everybody were afraid. Nobody could do anything. They just oh, stood there man. looking at me. I said, I'm done. I'm on my own. <laughs> so I can't believe this. Oh. <laughs> All my hair would have fell out. <laughs> <laughs> like, who, me? <laughs> me, him? <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I can't handle that kind of stress, man. Like, <laughs> I would have sweated myself skinny. Man. I, <laughs> and I was trembling. I must admit, I was trembling. Shaking, huh? was shaking, shaking. Oh, so God. we get outside, and his motorcade is out there. Bye yeah. bye. I think six or five cars in the motorcade, and he says to his buddy guys, he says, uh, you put Chris in the um, second car right behind his car. 
And so we get into the car, I'm in the back, I'm sandwiched by two of his bodyguards, yes. the, the driver, and then there's another soldier. So I'm in this car with uh, uh, four soldiers. Uh, these guys were all young guys, and you, you know, they had already smoked, they were freaking high, excuse the expression, but I said, oh my God, not again, not again, not wow. again, I'm out of here, not again. And they were just looking to have me up, looking for kill, a reason. Yeah. They were going to kill me tonight. Yeah. And it was about, wait, they were going to kill me this morning, baby, because now it was about 1.45 a.m. in the morning. Oh, man. And from the airport to the, the city, is about, what an hour and a half mm. and along the way there's nothing but forest mm. so no lights nothing Man. okay so we're going through the forest and i said to the man up there i'll be remiss oh everybody's praying right there <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, absolutely. I, I'd be remiss if i do not give the man absolutely. up there credit okay absolutely. and that's because he had already saved my life once with yeah. the chief justice yeah. remember yeah. and i said please lord don't let them kill me this time yeah. I said, after this, I'm out of here. I'm going to do exactly what the Chief Justice told me. Yeah. I can't take this anymore. And so we began to go through the forest. And I said, wait a minute. They could have killed me by now, but it happened. So we got closer to the city, and then I could see lights. And I was convinced that they were going to spare my life for some for, due to some unforeseen recent. I didn't yeah. know what yeah. it was, okay? So we got into the city and we, we, as we drove closer to the executive mansion where the big guy himself was waiting for the suitcases, then the general radioed to all his bodyguards, said, you stop the motorcade. He said, so to stop the motor kid, he says, you bring Chris to me. Man. <laughs> man, why are you so popular? <laughs> I'm no, like, man, why can't you... <laughs> I'm nobody with him. <laughs> he said, yeah, bring Chris to me. He said, yeah, bring Chris to me. I said, well, it's curfew. No civilian out here. Soldiers everywhere. Yeah. All he's going to do is just shoot me, put me in the trunk yeah. of the car, and that's it. I'm yeah. done. So he took me out of the car, and the bodyguard's walking behind me. As we are pushing his car, he gets out of the car. He and a drug dealer. Then uh, decided to walk towards me, and then I don't know for some reason he put his hands on his pistol. So I said, "Oh, oh. Wow. so now he's gonna shoot me." So when I saw him put his hand on his pistol, gentlemen, I'm sorry, but something had to happen. I pee, yeah. I, I pee on myself, you know, because I said, "I said um, this time I'm out of here." Yeah. Okay. And so um, he and the um, he and the drug dealer they looked at me. And he started laughing. He said, Chris, what, what, what's wrong with you? What, what, what did you do <laughs> What do mean what's wrong with me? <laughs> After all this, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What, what did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why would you be nervous? There's no real reason. You right? yeah. <laughs> Had to hit you in the back. He'd be all right. Why, what's wrong? <laughs> and then just wow. like yeah. armed guys yeah. in the middle of a transaction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and why are you shaking? Oh, man. <laughs> Wow. I said, don't worry, yeah. we'll, we'll take care of you, you're all set. Yeah. Then the general says to me, he says, the Alahaji told me, you're a very nice guy. Say, you know the airport very well. You are connected at the airport. Everybody comes to you. Yeah. So now, you will be our point man at the airport. Mm -hmm. Any more stuff the Alahaji brings in, you'll be the one to clear it for us. about <sighs> that. He said, we will make you a rich young man. I said, 
Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 never, never, never. Uh, no, sir. I don't <laughs> no, sir. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'd be like, yes, sir. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. Disappear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so he says, then he says to me, he says, oh, um, I want to send some money to the uh, aircraft maintenance crew guys for securing your suitcases. So can you come by my office tomorrow morning, find yourself a hotel room? I said, well, I don't have any money on me. He said, okay, here's $100. Go find a hotel room. You come by the, ho- the office in the morning. I'll t- give you some money to take to the aircraft maintenance crew. Mm-hmm. You so you're all set, man. We're going to take care of you, Chris. Don't worry. Yeah. So they get into the cars, and as they proceeded, towards the um, executive mansion where mm. the big guy was. The yeah. man above says to me, don't go. He says, wait, see where they're going. And at the meantime, look on the flagpole, see if the presidential flag is up. Just like here in the United States, you have the presidential sea flag and the American flag. Mm. So when the president's in the office back home, yeah. that flag stays up until he leaves. Got it, okay. okay? Yeah. So I looked up and I saw both the country flags and the presidential sea flags. Yeah. I said, oh. He's there. He's there. Yeah. And then they proceeded into the executive mansion ground. Then I remember again what the Chief Justice had said that the worst was to come. And I said to myself, these guys are now involved in drug trafficking. They are incompetent to govern this country. Mm. We are in trouble. I'm out of here. <laughs> so I made it my duty. Even though there was restriction on leaving the country, I knew some powerful people in the military junta mm-hmm. who were left over from the civilian government. Yeah. So I, you know, I went after them and asked them if they would assist me with uh, traveling documents together. And they all thought I was crazy. My boss, uh, for the fact that I survived. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this was the, this was the early '80s, yes, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I got to share this with you. So, so anyway, the next morning I went to the um, uh, Secretary General's office to get the money that he had promised the aircraft maintenance crew guy. His secretary says, "Oh, some guy came from the airport and says he's representing you and all the other people who involved in the, this whole transaction." Mm. I said, "Who?" So she described him to me. I said, oh, I know who he is. So she said, well, he has the envelope with the money. She said, rush to the airport right now and see if you can find him. So when I rushed to the airport, everybody saw me, my boss, my fellow, they were all surprised. Like, what? <laughs> Chris, you saw <laughs> <laughs> they thought she was out. <laughs> He's such a nice person. Yeah. They're like, oh man, who's gonna tell his mother? <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And then you just walk in, like, oh man, wow. So yeah. I said yes. So the, my boss called me. Said, so what happened? I said, I couldn't give him the details because yeah. you know why? The guy who went and got that money, yeah. I wanted to know first who was going to receive the money that he had received, yeah. mm. okay? So, the aircraft maintenance crew guys, when they saw me, they, they said, wait a minute, so Chris knew about this whole transaction for the fact he came back alive. Oh, man. So now, they're planning to kill me too because oh, they knew man. I was <laughs> Oh, man. Because <laughs> I got all this money now and I want to leave the country and don't give them a penny. So somebody from the group came and told me, 
says, Chris, the guy said he want to take care of you because you were part of that transaction. I said, no. I said, we were all double-crossed. Then he says to me, he said, I got the details. He said, that deal, you were set up. Yeah. He said, all the big guys at the airport knew about it. Yeah. So they set you up. He said, do you know why they set you up? Because you're so freaking smart, Ryan. You, you, you try to know everything. You would have picked up on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. They figured you were going yeah. to know anyway, yes. so get you out of the yes. way. Yeah. So that's what he said. That's what they wanted to do to you. They said, but we know who got the money. We know who got the money. And they said, you know who the person is. I say, yes. And this person and I were tight. He oh, was man. my co-worker. Wow. We had a car assigned to us, so we, I, I couldn't drive those days, so he did most of the driving. Okay. okay. So the aircraft attendant crew, uh, crew guy says to me, he says, Chris, I'm telling you now, when you leave, we hear you leaving to go to America. We're going to kill him. <laughs> said, we're going to kill him. He says, you hear about it. And so um, I confronted him. And he says, oh, Chris, that's all lies. Don't believe anything you hear. Nobody can do me any harm. I said, me too. Man. I said, Milton, yeah. the guys are serious. He, he was much older than me. I said, they're serious. I'm telling you now, be careful. So the night I was leaving, he was the last person to escort me to the aircraft. Mm. And I reminded him again. I said, Milton, be on the lookout. The guys are serious. Mm. I left in September. In late October, I got a letter from home. My brother told me that they had set him up. Wow. Yeah. They, bought, they, they claimed to have bought in some drugs, and he was in hot pursuit of the uh, drug dealer. Yeah. And we had um, a Volkswagen Jetta assigned to us, a little car. Mm-hmm. So the way he died, while he was in hot pursuit mm-hmm. of the drug dealers, this truck just came and cut him off. Oh. And my brother said his car went under the truck. Whew. Every bone in his body was broken. Wow. Okay. So they took him out. Took him yeah. out. Yeah. 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 So anyway, because of those past experiences that I had, I said to you earlier, it gave me a different perspective on life. Hmm. I stayed away from my country for almost 15 years during the civil conflict. Hmm. And then they had a ceasefire. And during the ceasefire, my father died. So I had to go back to bury my father I had not seen mm. for 15 years. And I arrived at the airport where I worked. It was a beautiful infrastructure. Everything's different. Everything was wrong. Yeah. It was like doomsday. I was like, oh my goodness. Not only was I sad for the death of my father, yeah. but I was sad because of what had happened to my country. Mm. And then I remember what the Chief Justice had said was to come. Mm. Okay, so I bury my father and I got to meet some of the people that I worked with at the airport they were all surprised to see me because they thought I yeah. was among the casualties yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and they began to, to weep yeah. that I was still alive and I said guys I got out because I was told it was coming yeah. so mm. I got out okay? and so they said to me Chris you're blessed you got out to come back and help us mm. They said, don't go to the state and forget about us. I said, no. Mm. So that, too, yeah. motivated me to be on the path 
that I'm on. So I came back to the United States and I began to reach out to my friends, those within my inner circle in the business community, business community. and um, as I shared my story with them, they became sympathetic. They said, yes, what can we do? I said, well, I, I need to get, go back home and make a difference. I need to take some kind of business back home yeah. to help make a difference. So they said, well, the infrastructure is not there. The country has been totally destroyed. Mm. Okay. Yeah. They said, well, what you need to do before we even take any business there, you need to you know, make trips back and forth, monitoring the situation, see how we can get things going. And so I have spent uh, a number of years traveling between the United States Liberia and other parts of Africa, um, conducting research, feasibility studies on specific areas of development that we have an, a significant impact on the lives of the people. So um, my focus was on my country until I had the opportunity to visit the Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm sure you are aware of the Black Wall Street. We're quite, yes. quite aware, yeah. Okay. So I was invited by the, na the National Black Chamber of Commerce of Tulsa, Oklahoma, mm -hmm. to attend this international trade um, or symposium that um, brought together investors, uh, businesses, and all of that. And they said, well, you need to come so we can see what we can do for your country. And so I went. And little did I know that uh, they had put together this uh, business proposal for this state-of-the-art plant to be built in Liberia. Hmm. Blew my mind. State-of-the-art plant? Yes. What kind of plant? Uh, so this is a, uh, a cannery juice plant. Okay. But it has attached to it a water bottling plant and many other little byproducts. That comes oh, from got it. it. Yes. Okay. So, so I was impressed. So um, they said, yes, this is a gift to you for your country mm -hmm. and for the fact that you're so passionate about going back home to help your people. Mm -hmm. okay. So then they took me on the tour of the Black Wall Street site and as I walked through that place and I saw what those people had done at a time when the odds were against them because of Jim Crow laws, yeah. how they created their own little economic community. Mm -hmm. I asked my colleagues who had extended the invitation to me, I said, how is it these people were able to do this at a critical time yeah. in the history of the African-American people? Mm. Why can't we emulate their accomplishments today in the 21st century? Sure, yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. so well, Chris, that's why we are here. And at that conference, I, I must also tell you that there were Native Americans. So it was, you know, Africans, African-Americans, Native Americans that have come together to form a common ground, how we can work together to create economic opportunities mm -hmm. for our people. Okay. So I left that event and I said, you know what? Let me not just focus on Liberia. Let me also focus on my fellow African-American brothers and sisters here too. And so I, I have been invited to numerous international uh, gatherings, New York, Washington, DC, you name it. And for each time I attend these events, people, as I said earlier, will gravitate to me when they hear what I'm trying to do. So now I find myself in the midst of uh, not only trying to provide economic opportunities for Liberia, mm. but 
other parts of Africa. The other Africans that have reached out to me and said, Chris, we like the vision that you have. Can you bring it to Kenya? Can you bring it to Ghana? Can you bring it to Sierra Leone? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's where I find myself right now. And at the moment, we have several um, projects, as I told you all earlier, major projects pending uh, in Ghana, in Liberia, in Kenya. Um, we are waiting to get uh, confirmation from those governments before we launch them. So they are in the area of renewable energy, infrastructure development, and the agribusiness sectors. These are all key sectors that will drive the economies of these countries. Hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. So who currently, the people who are taking advantage of this is probably, is it Chinese and Asians? I'm glad you brought that up. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite topic. (laughs) The Chinese. So anyway, um, in October of 2009, Mm. Fortune magazine published a story that the Chinese will be where they are today. I don't know if a lot of people got that particular issue. And I'm sorry, when, when was Fortune it? Fortune Magazine, October, I think it was October 2009 or 2010. 2009. Okay. 2000, okay. So the, 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 the Fisher story was about China mm-hmm. uh, having $12 trillion. Peace. Okay. Wow. And then they had a map of the world where they had planted their flags on every continent of the globe. Wow. Okay. Uh, I got to find that issue. Yeah. Oh. I, I, I would have brought, you know what I yeah. do when I get home, I'll take a picture yeah. of it and say, there you go. That's China it. buys the world. That's uh, it. I'm okay. going to order that. That's it. Yeah. So now, this is what happened. See, the Chinese were very savvy. Why do you, the U.S. was in Iraq fighting a war? Yeah. The Chinese were buying up Africa. Wow. Okay. So, um, a friend of mine, uh, we, we, go to church together. She approached me one Sunday. She said, Chris, I have a group of Chinese investors uh, based in Quincy, and they want to invest a lot of money into Africa. But I don't know anybody in Africa, Mm. so I told them about you, and they want to meet with you. I said, oh, sure, I'll be glad to meet with them. So she arranged a meeting. Uh, We met, and they shared with me what their visions were. And I said, oh, this sounds very good. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, the only thing our acts of you guys is to do this. Bring all of your expertise, okay? Don't bring any employees or any workers, okay? Just bring your expertise, train the Liberian people or whoever, so that when you leave, they will take over yeah. and be able to conduct their own affairs. Yeah. So they say, ah, oh, okay, we see what we can do. So, well, we got to go to Beijing and discuss this with our big guys in Beijing. When mm-hmm. we come back, we'll let you know what's going to happen. I said, okay. So they left. They went to Beijing. They came back. We had a meeting. They said, Chris, unfortunately, we have to bring the workers too, not just the, the workers. Yeah. Oh man, come on, man. Not just not just the expertise. I said, well, then we don't have a deal. They said, are you crazy? We we give you like a million dollar right now if you agree. Said, just put us in contact with your president. But where first we need wow. to see your ambassador. Then the president, and I had already reached out to the ambassador in Washington D.C. And I have told them about you know what we are about to do, how yeah. much money these Chinese wanted to invest, and they were all very excited. Okay, so the trade representative at the embassy and I had established a rapport, and so when I told the Chinese that you know. There was no way I would allow them to bring workers into the deal. 
And he said, well, then what are we going to do? I said, then we don't have a deal. And the, the proposal, oh, they would give you a million dollars. I said, I'm not going to sell my, my moral scruples for a million dollars. You know, yeah. you can buy me. Go give it to someone else, but not yeah. me. I'm not interested. Yeah. So what did they try to do? After we had signed a non-disclosure agreement, we signed a contract and everything, they decided to go behind me and contact the trade representative whom I had told them about. But mm-hmm. later they didn't know that she and I had established a bond. Mm. So when she got the email, she forwarded it, forwarded it to me. She says, Chris, are these the same Chinese you were talking about? I said, yes, they're the one. And she says, so now they're trying to cut you out of the deal and have me take them directly to the ambassador. She says, don't do business with them. And she said, first of all. Wow, she said, amazing. Yeah, she said, first of all, <coughs> We will not allow them to come into the country and bring everybody. The country has a high unemployment rate of 85% right now. Ooh, 85%? Yes. And they want to bring in workers. Bring in workers. That makes me angry. Like, dude. Yes. Wow. Yes. Due to the the Civil War. Man, that's a lot of people. Wow. Yeah. So anyway. Sorry. But but what what, what I learned from that. I'm emotional. I apologize. That's all right. So am I. So am I. So am I. So why all of this transaction was going on, I was picking their brains. All of the people that I have met along the way have left something valuable with me or something of of intrinsic value that I can use to promote my cause. Sure. So. They told me, I, because I wanted to know what was the formula, why have they been so successful? They said, uh, oh, we focus on education. We focus on uh, economic empowerment and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And if you look at most of the universities here in Boston, you see Chinese students. Yes. Yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere. Okay? So that's, why, that's the formula. Yeah. Education, entrepreneurship, economic empowerment. Yeah. Okay. So all of the businesses they're doing in Africa right now have been done through Chinese businessmen. Okay. The government gave them money. Now that's that's see, that's the advantages they have over U.S. businesses mm. because the U.S. government does not give money to U.S. businesses to go abroad and start business. The Chinese do that. Yeah, they give a lot of money. They give a lot of money. Yeah. U.S. will back you, but yes. not the same no, way. No, no, okay. But the international business laws are very strict. The Chinese, they don't care. They're shrewd. They'll okay. just do it. <laughs> They'll just do it. They'll pay the government official yeah. or if they have yeah. to bring a whole village into your country. Yeah, yeah Okay, so yeah. that's what they do. So that's what I'm trying to work against, you know. The people saying, oh, Chris, they got all this money. Huh? Yeah, so what? They got all this money. But this is what they don't have. Okay, mm. they don't have credibility. Okay. I've heard that they, they are not empowering the local folks. Yeah, most Africans are tired now with the Chinese. They go in and they stick together with each other. Yes, they don't do create their own yeah. community. Yeah, okay, and exclude the local folks. Yeah, so I said we have to serve as an alternative to what they are not delivering to the people. Yeah. And how do we do that by creating? economic empowerment uh, opportunities for the people mm-hmm. are doing things differently. The Chinese build substandard stuff. That's what I've heard too. Okay. Yeah. All the money they take into Africa, all those infrastructure they're building, they don't, they don't last long. As soon as they get what they want, the natural resources, they're out of there. Yeah. 
leave us hanging. Mm. Yeah, okay? the Chinese, they build what you pay them for. Yeah, yes. If you, if, okay. you, if you discount them, they yes. will give you a discounted product. Yes. Yeah. Now, let, let me share something with you quickly. During one of my um, visits to D.C. when Mr. Obama was in office, the Department of Commerce had this uh, Liberia-U.S. Joint um, Economic Development Forum, and I was one of those who was invited. So we, we were at the forum, and President Obama, special representative to Africa, had just returned from Accra, Ghana. She shared with us um, how, while she was there, a bridge that was built in Ghana mm. by U.S. taxpayers' money through USAID, mm. President George W. Bush made this money available, $5 million dollars, to the Ghanaian government to build this bridge that linked two metropolitan cities. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the bait was on the Department of Commerce website and for U.S. companies to participate in the abating process. Unfortunately, they did not. So who got the contract? Chinese. The Chinese. Chinese got the contract, built the bridge, named it in honor of George W. Bush. The business leaders at that forum were furious of course <laughs> that u.s yeah. taxpayers money yeah. went to the chinese and that u.s company wow. so the special representative trade representative said to them listen guys when it comes to africa you are not you you guys are not engaged hmm. the, the information was on the department of commerce website for weeks for U.S. company to participate in the bidding process. Mm. Nobody got involved. So that's why the Chinese stepped in yeah. because there was a time frame. Yeah. So the Chinese stepped in. And, and USAID, taking advantage of an opening. Yes. Yeah. USAID, a U.S. entity, yeah. gave this money to the Chinese to build this bridge. Yeah. You know? And so she said to them, don't blame me. You know? She says, um, this is the age of inf uh, information technology. All you guys need to do, go on the Department of um, Commerce website and you will see all of the bids that are on there for Africa. Get involved. Because if you guys don't get involved, the Chinese would dominate uh, the continent. And that's yeah. exactly what has happened, my brother. Man, man. Um, so uh, is there a strong Indian influence there too? or is it Absolutely. I've heard that as well. Absolutely. And do they also stick together? Kind yes. Of? Yeah. Here's the thing. Yeah. The Western press tells everybody, oh, Africa is... Is um, is has farming. There is disease. There is there is war going on, and and so you all shouldn't go there. Yeah. But at the same token, the Europeans are going there. The Asians are going there. Yeah. You know, people from different and uh, obviously white people white, too. Yeah, yeah. The Caucasian of folks, all of them are going there to yeah. do business, yeah. except for us. Folks. Except for us. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so ironically, so, yeah, we so, come from there. And exactly. So we're the ones exactly. not taking advantage. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so these are some of the conversations I have been having with the um, National Black Chamber of Commerce. You know, I, I said to them, gentlemen. Um, you guys, you got to get involved because if yeah. you're doomed, we people of African descent will be left out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, we just had a, uh, we just had one of our TNDP squad walk in, so um, he's he just jumped on the mic. We got Dom on the mic. Hello, everyone. How's everybody? Uh, so, in, so just to get back to Mr. Jackson, um, so we were going over uh, um, the, so first, okay, so let's let's rewind a little bit. First, we talked about um, Mr. Jackson's story growing up in Liberia. Oh, wow. 
Um, you guys missed out on that. You guys are gonna have to listen to the podcast. Like it's, it's amazing, it's an incredible story. Wow. Um, how his life was. And I'm still listening. Like, oh my goodness, <laughs> what's gonna happen? I know what's gonna happen. I'm like, oh, what's gonna happen? Did he live? Basically, his life was spared three times. Three wow. times, yeah. uh, and then we were t- speaking about um, infrastructure and, and, and Chinese investors in Liberia. There's also Indian investors. There's also Caucasian investors, European investors, um, but there are no African American investors, or few. literally, or few. Very zero, few. zero to a few. <laughs> uh, and this is not just Liberia. This is the country, or uh, is it country? No, continent, continent, continent wide. Yes. Uh, sorry, I lost my vocabulary yes. for a second. Yes. Continent wide, like this is something like we need to um, take care of because yes. this is where we all come from. Yes. Okay, whether we came here willingly or unwillingly back in the day, um, like I don't know anybody in Africa. I've, you know, I don't know anything about Africa, but that's where I'm from because I, I have melanated skin. And so we're over here, you know, talking about business in here when there's so many untapped markets, uh, not just in Liberia, but the whole continent from the north to the south. Yeah. Yeah. 54 countries. 54 countries. Okay. Yeah. 54 countries with unlimited yeah. customer base yeah. and vast natural mineral resources. Yeah. Yeah. That's why everybody. And if there. we take our American know-how, our yes. American mindset over there, exactly. we would just clean up, clean exactly. up. But we got to respect the culture. Of yes, course, respect absolutely. the culture. Absolutely. But what, what, I, what I also want to take note of is the Chinese are going in there yes. and they're sticking together. They're not even hiring laborers. No. They they take their they fly in Chinese workers mm-hmm. down to into Liberia and yes. this is not just oh, Liberia, no. and they they can't even like you know paving a road just labor anything you can hire anybody to do that no they can only hire Chinese the Indians are going there they're going and they're um are, are they sticking together the same way or yeah everybody essentially the same everybody way? sticks together okay yeah. so they're also so we also need to stick together a little bit yes. here and try to. Uh, do some business there, and yes. everyone, everyone that I speak to, they're scared to go over there because they're thinking about disease. They're thinking about they hear poverty. all the foolishness. May, they may, hear all may this. I, may, may I share? Like, oh, I'm gonna get Ebola okay. if I go yeah. over there. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, Let, let's take this That's propaganda, bro. But so go ahead. There is ignorance. Yeah. There is disease. Yeah. There is poverty. Yeah. There is warfare here in the United States. Yeah. Where people are getting killed by the hundreds on the streets. Yeah. It's not going on in Africa. Every society known to mankind has its own social problems of course issues yes but how do we solve those problems yeah by coming together and brainstorming yeah and coming up with a solution that is in the best interest of all those involved not just the people who are in there taking advantage not just the people in there exactly. taking advantage okay and i wouldn't i wouldn't say i don't not necessarily saying that i would i don't want to do business with any, any of these people but i think business has to be fair yes. it has to be equitable for all parties it's better yeah. and that's what sure. it's not right sure. now so when we had the interview with chike ukebu mm-hmm. who's running for uh presidency of nigeria which mm-hmm. the elections uh, next month he because he he's from nigeria went to college here d- ran business investor, a little bit different story. Two things stuck in my mind. He said he left Nigeria, Yubo boy, and mm-hmm. arrived, arrived in America, a black man. Hmm. His, his identity was just washed into blackness. He's just black right. now, just a black, black guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And, but that kind of opened his mind yes. to say, well, Nigeria is the largest black nation mm-hmm. worldwide. Yeah. Same thing you described, vast natural resources, talented people, High number of uh, direct formal em- employee. I'm sorry, formal economy. High level of unemployment, but a lot of employment or endeavors in the informal economy. But 
that black Americans, just in the United States, African-American, people of African descent, which are the number one consumers in the United States. The world. Would be, if we took that consumerism from the United States man, and did it in Africa, we would transform the nation. We would be the largest, with more purchasing power than most African nations. Yes, yes. In fact, all of the continents of the world can fit right within the continent of Africa. Man. Europe, the United States, yeah. South America, they all fit right into the continent of Africa. Hmm. Africa is a rich, is, well, it is the richest continent yeah. on the face of the planet. And they got us scared of tsetse yeah. flies. Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> well, well, but here is the thing. Okay. Man, it's dusty over there. I don't want yeah, yeah. yeah. Africa has some of the most modern cities. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I shared with you guys earlier, uh, Boris Kujo just took several of his colleagues with him to Accra, Ghana. It's all on uh, YouTube. Yeah. Okay. And they're having a blast. Akon is saying to people of African descent, yeah. you come on home. He says, yeah. America is not your country. Okay. Let me tell Instant you Instant citizenship, <laughs> too, from what I hear. <laughs> Let me yeah. tell you what. Mm. When I first came to this country, I... I first lived in New York, and, and I couldn't cope, so I said, you know what, I'm going to move to, of all places, Knoxville, Tennessee, the deep south. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, so when I arrived in Knoxville, yeah. they heard my accent. Then they heard my name. They said, you're from Africa. They don't say Africa. The, 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 the aura is silent. You're from Africa. You got American name. <laughs> wow. Africa. Yeah. <laughs> Are you from Africa, boy? You're from Africa, boy. There you go. Wow. Wow. So, so it, blew their, here, boy. Yeah, it blew their mind. They wanted to know, how come you got an American name? I was always obliged to explain to them how I got the American name. Hmm. I said, listen, my ancestors were among those who were brought here against their will and enslaved mm-hmm. in the process they lost their identity yeah they lost their culture they lost their dignity they lost their rich heritage mm. okay we were promised 40 acres and a mule i came back to get mine <laughs> <laughs> that's funny wow. <laughs> okay. so so i said yeah, so my ancestors, when Mr. Lincoln uh, signed the Emancipation Proclamation, there were a group that decided to migrate back to Africa to trace their roots. And so they settled in what is called Liberia. Liberia started here in Boston, Massachusetts. Really? Okay. There was the American Colonization Society that was organized. And um, um, there were several... African Americans who were Pan-Africanists mm. that were part of that movement, okay? And so they decided that they were going, have you guys seen the movie Amistad? Yes. yes. Similar story. Yeah. Mm. Similar I did not see story. that movie. Okay. So. Yeah, you need to get Amistad. <laughs> you know what? I know. Yeah. I, I, you need to get Amistad. Wow. But similar story. Excuse. Similar story. Powerful movie. Yeah. 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 Similar story. Uh, and so Frederick Douglass was one of the instigator of Mm. They set the Liberians who decided to migrate back to Africa. Mm. So they worked with uh, what they call here um, abolitionists, Caucasians, who were sympathetic mm. to the enslavement of people of African descent. Mm. And they supported that particular group to go back to Africa. Okay? So my ancestors were among those 
that's how come I have an American name. Wow. And and I'm always proud yeah. to share my history, yeah, story. my heritage. Yeah. It's, it's just rich heritage. Yeah. I'm, True. I, I let yeah. people know on social media who I am. I'm very, I'm, put it this way, I'm a very proud African. Yeah, I love it. You what? know, what, you know what's sorry, interesting, you're just really quickly, is that we kind of deride, talk poorly about Africa and people of African descent and lost the Pan-Africanism. Because people take Haitians. Mm -hmm. You think Haitians, you think of a poor country. They defeated Napoleon before anybody else did. Man. Twice. There you I know they beat him once. Mm -hmm. But the France reinvaded Haiti yes. and they made, and they defeated yes. him yes. in straight combat. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Not it did. guerrilla warfare, it did. straight, head to head, yes. defeated him outright. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Mm. And and what what surprised me a um, few years ago, I crossed path with a professor from the university from Harvard. Mm. And he shared with me, he says Mr. Jackson, don't you know the Haitians are paying reparation to France because yeah. of that, that rebellion? I said, what? And he says, not only Haiti, he says, most African of countries. African former, of Francophone, we call them, yep. Francophone, yep. are yep. former uh, colonies of yep. France. Yeah. They are all paying reparations to the French because of the infrastructure. Half a trillion dollars a year. Yeah. They bankrupt them. Yeah. Okay. So I think recently the, the United Nations decided to look into that because it's unfair. It's yeah. ridiculous. Okay. I mean, they're it's based ridiculous. their whole, so, everything that makes France such a wonderful city yeah. is, comes from Africa, yeah. comes from yeah. black people. Isn't just, it? just like England. Half a trillion dollars yeah. a year ter yes. currently to this day yes. is what they, yes. they didn't yeah. even control their own money in a yeah. lot of the uh, French African So what country. happens with the Haitians wow. is the Haitians, <laughs> yeah. although they can win, well, I was talking to my brother-in-law, he's Haitian, he said, we didn't have a navy. Yeah. yeah. So they blockaded them and they starved them all, mm -hmm. and they continued to starve them even after they yeah. did the treaty to keep to so it's to terrible. Yes. It's terrible. So yeah. Haiti yes. isn't poor because no. of bad governance no, 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 until no. recently. No. no, it was poor because they, Haiti they starved actually, them. Actually, is, isn't Haiti? Don't they? Don't they have the only source in the world of um, something they need for cell phones? Oh man, what is no, it? Uh, no, no, that's that's the Coltrane. No, Coltrane. Not, not Coltrane. Uh, Coltrane. That's, Coltran. Coltran. that's in DRC. That's yeah. the Democratic Republic of Congo. Okay. No, no, no! It's not that. It's something else. Um, bauxite. Oh man, they got a lot of bauxite in Jamaica too. Mm -hmm. in There's something I can't remember it. I'm gonna remember it when this podcast is over and I okay. go I'm driving home in the car. Like, oh, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. There's yeah. something, but it, it, they, Haiti is not a, a poor country. No, Haiti is rich, yeah. just like Liberia. But everyone else is country. taken from it. Yes, everyone else is a rich country. Yeah. yeah, but but here is the thing: yeah. there is the um, white supremacist ideology of divide and conquer. Oh, and they're good at it, man. Yes, yeah. man, they're good at it. Liberia is a typical <laughs> example. Not funny at all. Okay, yes. But yeah. So, so, so yeah. Um, remember, at at one time, England used to be called Great Britain. Yeah. Yes. Because they were colonizer of even Nigeria. Yeah. Many West African countries. Sun never yeah. set on the British Empire. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So there you go. In fact, they have what they call the uh, Commonwealth. Um, nations yeah. where all of these African countries India that were part once, of it. Yeah, yeah, that were yeah. once colonized yeah. by Great Britain, yeah. part of this organization. So they still pay respect to the crown. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, these are things that um, we need to revisit because this is the 21st century. <laughs> so we we need to put those things behind us and focus on those things that will empower us yeah. as a people. So let me. You 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 mentioned one thing in your story. Uh, you talked about how the economy was going so well yes. between 
in the 90, 70s. Yeah, 1971 to nine, until 1979. I just looked so, at it, so yeah. I'm just looking it up. Yeah. From 1964 uh-huh. to 1980, yeah. Liberia's economy was growing somewhere between 4 and 10%. Yeah. Which is yeah. good. Wow. Which Our GM, year yeah. after year. Yeah. It had a couple of bad uh, years, but that was with, yes. the, that's probably the oil after, crisis. Yes. So right. I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but mm-hmm. why, who who supported the soldiers taking them over and why? Top, top Was there some white people at the bottom <laughs> top of that? Secret. <laughs> top secret. <laughs> top secret. See, um, we had a visionary leader, as I said earlier. Yeah. And um, he had been vice president to his predecessor, who was a favorite of the South, of the West, put it that way. Anything the West wanted. Hmm. They got. And so he was observing. So when his uh, predecessor died, he came to power. Hmm. He says, now it's a different ball game. We have to create a level playing field. That little country, what the world does not know about my country, played a pivotal role in the victory of Allied forces over Nazis generally. Really? You seen the movie Red Tail? Black oh, Squadron? Uh, yeah. I heard of it. I the base seen was in my country. Oh, in fact, wow. the base were in my, my father's hometown. My father's hometown is where the base was. And they left some of the materials, the military materials, are still there. Hmm. Okay? Liberia played a pivotal role in many world events. The creation of the state of Israel. Really? I can go on and on. Wow. Okay. Hmm. But because it was governed by people of African descent, as I said earlier, having visited the Black Wall Street, saw what happened to them, mm. reminded me of my country. Similar situation. You guys are doing well, and, and if someone comes in. They just come in and say, give us what you have. If you don't give it to us, we'll take it by force. Hmm. And so they corrupted that, that guy who took over. Wow. Did you guys have something that you want to say? I saw some commotion over there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, well, I have. I actually have a question. Um, so you mentioned China and China and India mm-hmm. being uh, predominant like uh, investors in the African. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I mean, how is that? Why are they accepting these people um, from outside of countries to come in and invest? Because we have corrupt government officials. Let me tell you, the, the Chinese Prime Minister recently made a statement. Because China has come under fire by the United States and other world powers because of its economic involvement in Africa. Mm. And they're seeing where yeah, the Chinese are corrupt. They come in there to give the government officials, corrupt government officials, suitcases of money. Mm-hmm. to the compromise mm. the, the sovereignty that's the problem okay and uh, the, the Chinese Prime Minister said don't blame us blame the people who elect the corrupt government officials and I said he's right yeah. <laughs> it's just like here mm. yeah, yeah exactly like here <laughs> okay it's like we like to pretend we're above yeah. that here but we're not yeah, yeah. Mm. what people fail to realize is that yeah. the ballot at the box is more powerful than a bullet from a gun. So, so my question is: the money that's coming in from these countries mm-hmm. ultimately influence 
the power the that, 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 that can, yeah. continues to remain, yes. which then keeps this yes. kind of like yes, exactly so. infrastructure. Yes. And yes. what kind of stake does China then have uh, financially? From, okay. From these this is this. These are two um, very important documents for the Chinese when they are involved in any business transactions with African governments. Uh, they have sovereign guarantee and mineral rights. Mineral rights means if the Chinese is given a contract to build an infrastructure, and while they are in the process of uh, uh, building the foundation and mm -hmm. they come across maybe diamonds, gold, mm. and then it's theirs. Is this? Oh, ah. man, dude. <laughs> That's crazy. Sovereign guarantees protects the That's investment. Insane. Okay. They need to just kick everybody yes. out. Just so like, if like, so yo, you ain't black, you gotta bounce. Yeah. So, take, take step, so, so, so yeah. if there's a civil war, the Chinese <laughs> investment are protected. Wow. So they, they are not losing. What kind of deal? Okay, recently, that's a suitcase full of from money. From the Chinese yeah. perspective, that's Last, a smart deal. Oh, yeah. For them, it's great, it is, and they yeah. have all the money. Yes, yeah. they, I, I just shared with them before you came in. Like how they would have, you? They have twelve trillion dollars. Show him that that article. In two in the, um, October of two thousand nine, the For Fortune magazine published a story. See there. They have See, 12 so they have wow. No, it's not just Africa. Even yeah. this country, even the United States. It's, the strength of China lies in their manufacturing. There, you'd be hard pressed yes. to have a business that doesn't have something yes. manufactured yeah. in China. Yeah, everything comes. Every out of China. single, every everything we're doing this podcast with, yeah, everything <laughs> is yeah. China. Yeah, you know, 80, 80, 80 percent of it. Even yeah. if it's Japanese, yeah. it's Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. Some of it. And, and so you, you can't even boycott China no, right now. No, you can't. No, yeah. there was a time when people looked down on China. But my question is, yeah. why can't we, especially in Africa, mm -hmm. being such a rich nation? I mean, mm -hmm. a, a continent. Yeah. Uh, if they model, because all China did is model what we've been doing and then exactly. keep it internal. And it yeah. to their advantage. And why can't, is it because but, of the corrupt but, officials that no, make Well, this China, there's a difference though. Like, I've been to China, I've met with the Chinese government, I went to the, the, um, the Chinese school at Pudong Academy. Mm -hmm. The China is, although a large country, is a central one power structure. They're not really, I mean, they're communists, but then they're not communists. They, they're, they're Chinese, and their focus is, if you watch the old Chinese movies, I'm not being hyperbolic, just because one kingdom under heaven, that's how they see themselves. They're not focused on what's in the best interest of England and the U.S. They was like, what is in the best interest of China? Yeah. They had a, that's why they, they're doing what they're doing to the Chinese Muslims, too, by the way. But go so ahead. So they, they had a famine. They said, we had a famine in, uh, in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. 60 something to 70 million Chinese people died. Wow. They're like, we can't have, because mm -hmm. that, that is the legitimacy of the Communist Party and the Chinese government. Mm -hmm. They feed everybody, everybody's working. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. from that mentality, they go outwards from that. Yeah. Can, can I just comment on what you just said about the Muslims in China? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah so there's, there's this little article that says that, that China has passed a law to implement measures to synthesize Islam within the next five years. And synthesization is to make something Chinese in character or form, especially non-Chinese societies. The move came after Chinese government officials met with representatives from eight Islamic associations, the Global Times reported. And this comes amid a crackdown on Uyghur uh, Muslims in the, in the nation, with the mm -hmm. United Nations estimating that over one million Uyghurs, Uyghurs are being held in intermittent camps in the Xinjiang province. So, uh, 
So if you look at it, the Chinese are the only country, to my knowledge, that the Catholic Church cannot appoint the bishop. Absolutely not. They need the approval of the Chinese government for the bishop that they appoint over. And it's not, heard, it's not racism that either. Before. It's mm. outsiders. They it, don't. It is external. Yeah. It is anyone. They used to feel focused that way economically, and they realized that was bad. Yeah. But if you challenge them politically, it's you're not percent. going to go. It's not going to go well for you. Mm. Yeah. Not not domestically. And, and they not, they see Islam as an out. It is. It's an outside influence. At, mm. at the end of the day, it really is. But that same mindset is what drives them wherever they go in the world. Mm-hmm. So they go down to Africa. It's all Chinese. It's a Chinese operation. Okay. If it's not a Chinese operation, then there's going to be some problems. Mm-hmm. But I think just like they strong arm their way into your country all throughout Africa, wherever they go. We need to strong arm and stick together the same That's way. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, every other culture, to be honest. That's exactly what I'm talking they about. They have just perfected that. Yes, they have. See, but every other culture does that too in yeah, some way or yeah. another. See, yeah. the Chinese have been able to um, perfect capitalism to their advantage after the, God, um, after the British turned over Hong Kong to them. They mm. became exposed to capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. So when they saw <laughs> what was going on in Hong Kong, yeah. that's when the eyes were open too. Yeah. And they said, you know what? Oh, we, we, don't, we don't just have to be communists. We can also be capitalists. Yeah. Because <laughs> Hong Kong is still capitalist. Yeah. yeah. So what they do, even though they got it back, the yeah. Chinese use Hong Kong to ex- yeah. expose themselves to foreign currency, but they don't unless the core continent. It's all R&B. Yeah. So what that does is they can be able to control their price in China so they're competitive, their people aren't starving, but they're also gutting you on price. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they still are able to be exposed to global markets mm-hmm. with Hong Kong. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, that seems like a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's working really yeah. well for them. For a typical example, look at the uh, tariff war that is going on right now. Yeah, I know that's hurting everybody. Hurting it's everybody. Terrible, mm-hmm. terrible idea. Okay. The Chinese are the number one producer of steel in the world. One time, it was Africa. Now, check this out. Wow. The, the, the steel is coming from Africa, going to China. And then going out. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay. So That's not funny, actually. No, it's not. But my, my, my question is, is there no way for uh, for Africa? I mean, there has to be a way for there Africa, is. the countries that work with China, to be mm-hmm. able to turn some of that revenue that they're getting well, here is the thing. into productivity. This is what I have been telling uh, my fellow African brothers and sisters and uh, African-American brothers, too, on social media. We need to look at what the Chinese have done. Mm-hmm. Just that they looked at capitalism yes. yeah. and were able to perfect it to their advantages. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We can emulate what they have done throughout. We, we are not limited. We have options, but we have our priorities twisted. Right. And how, how, is our, how are our priorities twisted? Divide and conquer. Like you said earlier, the perceptions that uh, African Americans have of Africa yeah. is negative because of what the Western press What they're telling them. them. Yeah. Yeah. Remember Bob Johnson who owned BET? Yeah. yeah. Bob Johnson built a $10 million hotel resort in Liberia, right wow. after we, you don't hear about that. I knew nothing about that. You don't hear about it. Yeah. 
And who are who are? I heard about Ebola though. But those are the kind of things you hear. Okay, but there is disease in the United States. It's everywhere. Okay, exactly. So so anyway, most of his clientele are coming from Europe. Wow. Like you will have some of the most beautiful beaches in the world. And they're chilling there, and too. And they're chilling. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Why, why African-Americans and others are going to where? Europe. Where you are not welcome. Especially with the rise of xenophobia. Yeah. Uh, uh, nationalism right now, where black people are being targeted. Whether you're from Africa or you're from this country. You go to Europe, you are being disrespected. Yeah. In this country, you are also being disrespected. There are solutions to these problems. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. A number, this is about 12 years ago. I was working in Germany for a U.S. company. And because um, I'm fair, people thought I was getting a lot of negative. Not when I was at work. Germans were really professional. And I was in a nice hotel and everything. But I would go out and hang out, have dinner, and yeah. go to a club or something. Yeah. And they were, people were like, Standoffish is kind of, and then I spoke and they would smile. And mm -hmm. I, I ended up talking to a, a Algerian mm -hmm. uh, guy, and I was like, Why are they? They're like, They think you're Moroccan or Algerian mm -hmm. and you're an immigrant and they don't like you. Mm -hmm. But when they hear your American accent, they know you're not going to stay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the other Germans were like, Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. I was like, I always hear that Germans wow. like love yeah. African Americans. Yeah. We spend money and we're not going to stay. You know? yeah. wow. But wow. but they can all go to Africa and be received yeah. with open arms, smiling mm -hmm. and dancing with us and everything. Okay. Yeah. They can all do that, but we cannot go to Europe. No. And have the same liberty that they have when they go to to uh, Africa. They only like you because okay. they know you're leaving. Like yes. that's man. That's okay. crazy, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so. You know, we, we people of African descent, we have a very rich heritage, but we've been told otherwise. I, mean, yeah. I have to revisit the story of the Black Wall Street. When I, when I went to that place, I got goosebumps. I was, I was too emotional. Man. I was like, wow. Yeah. You know, they have rec replica of how the place used to look. I was like, wow. Hospitals, law firms, dry cleaning, yeah. trolleys, you name it. Everything they had in their little community. Yeah, man. It makes me angry thinking yeah. about it. I was like, my and they actually bombed it with Air Force planes. Oh yeah, and get that's this. That's crazy, man. Get this. That's some crazy. of some of the inhabitants were former World War One veterans. Yeah. So they bombing veterans. Yes. Bomb veterans. Wow, man. Okay. Man. All right. Man. Decimated that place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was amazed. I was like, my goodness, how <laughs> could these people done all of this at a time with Jim Crow? was saying to them, you can't have this, you can't have that. And they got tired to say, you know what? Do hell with Jim Crow. We're gonna create our own economic communities. And, we're successful and, when, too. and, and, yeah. and when when the Caucasian counterparts saw how yeah. they were, were thriving economically, they yeah. became envious. Actually there's a, been proof that when they talk about anti segregation, when Jim Crow changed, because <laughs> Jim Crow grandchild still alive, Jim Crow Jr., James, oh. <laughs> Jimmy Crow, right? That's what we have right now. But when yes. Jim Crow ended... Don't about that joke, Shaman. Come on, man. Don't. It's not really a joke. It's actually, a, there's a book about James Crow Jr.'s... Hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, I thought you was making the same joke you made the other time. No, it's, it's actually a real thing. It's, it's like the difference between down south racism and mm -hmm. Boston racism. Boston is really racist, but they're not in your face with mm -hmm. it, right? Boston racism is like the new American racism. Yeah. 
uh, behind Boston, closed Boston's doors. Boston's just very racist. I think in other parts of the city and other parts of the country, it's more hidden. Yes, behind like, closed doors. Boston is um, it's almost like right there, though. Yeah. It's, like, it's like right it's below it's segregated right there. it's right there it's very segregated. but it, it's yeah. not Jim Crow like no it's not no. so it's not. it kind of represents so before that if you were a black business person you could because of Jim Crow you could only really do business with black people and you did some of the business that they allowed you to do with white people and what that meant is for all of us at the table we would do well, everyone talks about like the Jews. We would go get your dry cleaning, your yeah, black service, service all your services, yeah. your products. Now that's economic empowerment, and mm-hmm. then it only goes out just a little bit. Mm-hmm. That was suppression. What happened is now you got paid a lot more money because mm-hmm. most of Black America works for the U.S. government in some capacity. Mm-hmm. It's the number one employer of Black people wow. and Latinos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The next one after that is small businesses. Most Americans work for small businesses, but they employ the least amount of black people. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why, right? Um, the other challenge is most of US GDP on production side, not consumption, because black America is the number one consumer. Latino America is the number two consumer. But on business production, less than 1% of American GDP is done by black people. <laughs> less than 2% by the Latinos and less than 4% by all of Asian Americans together. So 71% of all US GDP, because some of it's owned by foreign nationals, right? Mm. Is white male and the white. And the majority of those are white males over 55, Mm. which is a terrible thing economically because they're not the number one part of the country. Yeah. You know, they're shrinking demographic. We can't compete globally. Mm -hmm. So the US understands that and knows that but Jim Crow's seduction mm-hmm. is so strong. Mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of fights that. Yeah. But if we were able, in a pan-African sense, to go with it and said, no, 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 um, I'm doing business in Africa, mm-hmm. and I'm doing trade, and I'm making X number of dollars, because Americans love money more than they love racism. They love some racism. But if that's, they love some racism. They do. A dollar a little bit more. A little bit Just more. Just a little bit. <laughs> the green. Just a little bit. A little bit more. They were like, yeah. wait a minute. Wait a minute. They're not. We were talking about a mobile company before, and someone, to an investor, an investor, a private equity person said to a person out loud, they have mobile phones in Africa. <laughs> My How are you stupid enough to lie? So that we, were, so the short, we, we just spoke with a. Uh, he's a. He, he started a, a rideshare company. It's actually doing very well, and he's got it going. He started in Seattle as an old friend of mine, mm-hmm. and it now it's international. It's all over Africa. It's in the Middle East. Um, and then one of his investors asked him if they have mobile it phones. Wasn't, it was a, it was a private equity. It wasn't one of his investors. Oh, private equity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they asked him if he had mobile phones in Africa. Like, Where is this really, brother bro? from that you're talking about? Is he uh, from he's California? from Tanzania. Are you My friend? Yeah. He's from Tanzania, but I, I, I worked with him in Seattle for a lot okay. when I was in Seattle. See, that's, that's the problem for most U.S. US businesses. That's why they're left out of the... Uh, markets on the continent of Africa. Uh, so he, be, oh, I'm be, sorry. So he replicated like a Lyft Uber concept. Exactly what he did. And then let me tell you what else he did because it's dope. Yeah. You know all the little Lyft signs, the little glow, glow in the yeah. dark ones that they have in the front of the cars. Yeah. They didn't have that in Africa. So Uber and Lyft are in Africa, right? <laughs> they weren't doing that. So he did that and put them in the front of his cars. Balling blew up. <laughs> Everybody loved it. Everybody's wow. like, oh man, look, look at, at these cars wow. with all the moving on it. Yeah. What, wow. what I, what, 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 what I like about 
his name is uh, the company's yeah. name is Moving with two O's. <laughs> what he did is that they were having a challenge <laughs> with the with the payment process because uh-huh. the uh, he he was saying that um, a lot of Africans don't pay they pay up front mm-hmm. for their services mm-hmm. it's cash driven mm-hmm. and um, they limit their data because they're not getting unlimited data and mm-hmm. there's some. So you ha- he had to be mindful of that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he understood the business environment and uh-huh. the culture. So he then partnered with one of the largest um, internet and mobile phone uh, providers, telecom company, and to reduce the internet burden, the data burden on his customers. So then they were able to come on. So he white labeled it. White listed. Wow. White listed. White yeah. listed. So that that's amazing. That, that is that, amazing. That, that's thinking. Yeah. That's what we need See, to do. We 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 need to become creative stop we need to start thinking outside of the box and that's what americans are good at like if we took our american african-american minds and we took this like we you know we're kind of like arrogant kind of cocky confident not a lot of like we all think, oh i'm married i do whatever i want that kind of mindset yeah. <laughs> i mean it's it's it, it is what it is that's just the way we think we're american that's how we roll if we take this Go over to Africa, like there, there's so many untapped resources and businesses and ideas and things that we just take for granted yes, here. Yes. But at the Go moment, yeah. I have to share light on this. At the, at the moment, I'm right now um, negotiating with two African Americans that own an organic juice plant. Mm. It, it's a newly started business. And um, involved in the process is a former government official of Liberia who at one time lived here in the United States. He worked for Pepsi, Cola, and Pillsbury. Okay. And so he comes to the table with a wealth of knowledge. And, yeah. and, and I have decided to make him head of this uh, venture. Okay. But during our conversations, those gentlemen were so impressed when I told them about the Black Wall Street experience. Yeah. It blew their minds. Mm. And one of them said uh, to us, he says, gentlemen, if things goes well, I want to build a house in Liberia. Hmm. Okay. He says the Black Wall Street, had they survived, it would have created generational wealth. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely it would have. Yeah. Which absolutely. is what okay. He says that's one of the stories that uh, motivate us. And then mm-hmm. uh, there is the story of um, the late Reginald Lewis, not the basketball player. Reginald Lewis was one of the top entrepreneurs during the Reagan's administration. Remember the uh, John Bond scandal with uh, Michael Milton? Yeah. Michael Milken, uh, Boy Jeffries, and all of them. So anyway, um, Reginald Lewis was friends of both of those guys who created the junk bonds. Okay? So when the scandal broke, everybody thought that Reginald Lewis, this black guy, would have been implicated. No. Why? Uh, Mr. Milken and others were being investigated. That brother was in London, England, buying up one of the largest companies called Beatrice. Mm. Okay. And how did he start? From the time he was a teenager, he had the entrepreneurial spirit. He mm. used to, he used to uh, sell newspapers too. That's how he started. And then um, as time went on, he was fortunate to attend Harvard Business School. In fact, there is um, a building right now that uh, is named in his honor, Harvard, which he you know, gave the, the endowment to have the building built. But he wrote a book, I have it. He says, the title of the book is, Why Should 
the white guys have all the fun. <laughs> <laughs> I have that. I will, you can Google Reginald Lewis, you'll see the book. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. And I, I read that book. I was like, wow, this guy was a genius. Yeah. You know, for him to have survived at that particular time when sure. most of his colleagues were losing their shirts yeah. on Wall Street. Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was in London, England, yeah. buying up companies. Jumping out windows, yeah, yeah. So, my, my, we, we, gentlemen, we are not limited, you know. We, we, we are... We are gifted people. Yeah. We are survivors. We have perseveres for, for for centuries. So you know, yeah. I'm on the front end side. So yeah. one of the challenges I have mm-hmm. is when you hear a good deal is in Africa. Mm-hmm. There's some, from the U.S. perspective, mm-hmm. some fundamentals missing mm-hmm. that the investors are going to say. So they want to say, okay, you're going to do business in Africa. Mm-hmm. Where is your partnership with either USAID? Mm-hmm. World Bank, or underwritten by the State Department, mm-hmm. where's your insurance, mm-hmm. who are you gonna use as your custodian for hold your money, um, all these classical investment stuff mm-hmm. that, you need, that you need to do. Not to say that they're, we're not talking about the illegitimate stuff. We're not talking about paying people off mm-hmm. and corrupt bribery. Just the way it needs to be structured for them to release their money. Yeah. How do we bridge that gap? Which is a lack of understanding. Good question. I, I just discussed that uh, with the two gentlemen who are interested in building this uh, organic juice plant in Liberia. There's this thing called joint venture partnership. You, 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 you enjoy both worlds. The institutions you just named, there are similar institutions in Africa that cater to African Americans, European businesses coming together to do business. As I shared with you all last year at that event, in order to establish a sustainable and profitable business on the continent of Africa, you got to have credible contacts, first of all, in the private sector, before you even try to deal with the public sector. Mm. Dealing with the public sector can be complicated. Why? because you have to bribe this official, that official. You have to. Which the Chinese do very well, yeah. okay? Whereas, if you already have an African business that is thriving economically, and that person does not have the maybe technical know-how or the logistics to grow and sustain his or her business, the best thing for you to do is to establish a joint venture partnership. Because when you do that, then you have access to incentives that the local government are providing. Mm-hmm. Then we have the African Development Bank that provide loans for specific projects in the areas of infrastructure development, technology, agriculture, education, and the list goes on. Hmm. So those are the areas that we need to focus on, we people of African descent, if we want to do business in Africa. And that blew those gentlemen's mind. They're so excited. Yeah. They're ready to get started. Hmm. So, again, we are not limited. <laughs> These problems have existed because um, misinformation, they've tried to make it look so difficult to do business in Africa. But, but the Europeans are there. 
Everybody the else Chinese is there. Idea. <laughs> We're the, the ones late idea. to the party. Yeah. Everybody are there except who? The people, people of African descent. Yeah. And it's that ideology of divide and conquer. Yeah. Okay. They bring out the worst in Africa. Yeah. When it is not true. Yeah. And as I said earlier, there is ignorance, disease, and poverty in Europe and in the United States. Definitely. They are not an exception. Definitely. But they have portrayed Africa to be that way, to keep us out. Hmm. While they are in there, Taking exploiting all the us. Mm. Man. So do you see, or, or which reasons that, I already know the answer, a welcomingness from the continent for people from the diaspora Absolutely. to come and do business? Acorn, Acorn has been phenomenal in that area. That's what, that's what Boris Goujou just took out of his colleagues. Yeah. Akon, he has the money. He has the, the uh, personality. He has the contact. And so he's reaching out to people of African descent on social media. He's telling them, come, come to Africa. Yeah. Come. He, in fact, he lives in Africa. I think he actually yeah. did a joint yeah. partnership with a Chinese company to do mm-hmm. his solar power. energy, the yeah, power, the yeah, power solar thing. energy. Yeah. But it's not like it's only hiring Chinese. No, right? no, yeah. no local people. Yeah. He, he's, he's strict yeah. about that. Yeah, because he th- that project is mostly about empowering the people economically. Yeah, that's what that project is about. Yeah. Not just creating um, electricity just, for yeah. them. You know. Yeah. yeah. Man, you have been one of our uh, most powerful guests. Uh, it's been a pleasure, an honor, and a, pri- and a privilege. I, I am very grateful that um, yeah. you all extended the opportunity for me to come on here. Because, Absolutely. again, this is my passion. I, I, I want to see people of African descent. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. So for someone uh, like, like myself and maybe Wasif, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're younger guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you How old know? are you, Wasif? Oh, you both both stay major, okay? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, we're both like in technology, mm-hmm. uh, in in business. Uh, I go to school for corporate systems. Okay. Um, uh, God willing, looking to finish my master's in cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, but my point is, how would like someone like us you be able it. to now go? And, and maybe get something started because we have a lot of knowledge from the schools that we go to. Yeah. But how do we apply that in Africa? Okay, I'm 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 glad again that you you're asking me that question. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are two I things. There are two things involved here. First, you got to find a niche. How do you find that niche? Mm-hmm. As I said earlier, you look for a credible partner. There are a lot of young tech Africans. You don't hear about them because they don't talk about them. Okay, in fact. I'm going to send you some information. There is a conference that is being held in um, Silicon Valley this month where uh, entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs of African descent are coming together to create a venture capital fund. That's one area that I am working towards too. Okay, Why? Because of the very reasons that you just stated. They want to begin to empower young entrepreneurs like you all to come to Africa mm-hmm. and do business. Mm-hmm. So I will send you the information you can share with them. Perhaps oh. maybe you guys, you know, might want to attend. But you know, one of the yeah. things we were talking about mm-hmm. is um, we want to take just, hey everyone, mm-hmm. uh, this podcast mm-hmm. and 
showcase the the businesses, the entrepreneurship of Africa. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Because one of the things we've talked about and because when we I'm gonna go back to Chike's interview because I watched his interviews with CNN, the BBC, Home Loans, all the non-African programs, mm-hmm. and they were all the, the I mean they were highlighted him, but they had an agenda set of questions in their structure. Mm-hmm. And then I when I was listening because we listened to all our own podcasts, and I was listening to how the conversation went here and I juxtaposed it to there. You got to hear why he started running for president. Yeah. What was the motivation there? How did the structure and his vision, yeah, um, kind of similar to your vision, and saw there's a connection between us black people here mm-hmm. and those on the continent, and we need to make these connections ourselves and do business. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so. Um, so you answered the question in regards to like the startup community, similar sim- Silicon Valley. Now, what about how do I now take myself from here mm-hmm. and and go there? And 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 then you, you spoke about a niche. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the infrastructure is kind of open. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at what demand? Uh, where is there more demand? And and for someone again like an expat, or I don't even know if okay. I would be considered an so, expat at that so point. This is another thing I have shared with. Um, the African millennials here in Boston who wants to go back. Remember the event last year? Yeah, it was a good event. Yeah, who, who wants to go back to Africa and do business? Okay. Which university do you attend? Um, I'm at Boston College. Okay. There are African students at Boston College. Mm-hmm. I'm sure with the same mindset. So th- what you all need to do is network. Find those students. Network with them because most of them wants to go back to Africa. The problems that exist in Africa will only be solved if the likes of you and those millennials, African millennials, come together and find and, 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 and establish collaborative partnerships mm. in areas like technology because that's one area Africa is lacking right now. Yeah, we do have the cell phone, we have the iPad, we have, but when it comes to the infrastructure, for, tip, for typical example, Liberia, pretty soon they will be installing the um, fiber optic cables, cables yeah. throughout Liberia mm-hmm. to get better uh, internet service because it doesn't exist right now due to the war, you know, the infrastructure. Right, right, right. Those are all areas to look at. You can go on the internet, go on, on the um, African Union website, and all of the countries are listed, and they have list of existing opportunities for foreign business entities to take advantage of. Mm. That's what the Chinese, the Europeans, and other Asians do. It's not being done here on the broader scale. That's exactly That's how what you they educate do. yourself. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But the key is finding a genuine partnership, someone who is credible. But how do you make those connections? Like I said. I mean, I know we can mm-hmm. do like the networking with the, the network community, okay. but. You, for somebody like me, if you go on LinkedIn, there are a lot of Africans on LinkedIn on the continent who are reaching out to mm-hmm. the likes of you and others yeah. to do business. I have like well, close to 500 people within my network 
they want to go to Africa to do business. Okay, but see, not all of the f f uh, close to 500 on there are serious about doing business. Some people just want to pick my brains and get information and yeah. mm -hmm. use, you know. So you, you have to streamline who you bring on board, who you, you allow into your inner circle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, again, it's not difficult for you guys to do what you want to do. Okay. The most important thing is the partnership. Once you get the partnership on the ground, you got that person who is genuine and is, is committed yeah. to growing a successful business, working with you, the sky is the limit. You guys are fortunate to be where you are at, it, at this age. Okay? I tell people, Africa is the economic frontier of the 21st century. I believe that. That's what Mr. Definitely believe that. that. That's yeah. what number 45 in his um, National Security Advisor, Mr. Bolton, just now made, recently made an ultimatum to Africa to decide if they want to do business with the United States or China or Russia. That's <laughs> the ultimatum they offer to Africa. Africa does not have to commit Absolutely anybody. Not. That's crazy. Those days are behind us. The Cold War is behind us. Try try making that ultimatum with China. See yeah. what they do. <laughs> okay. Do business with us or Russia? What yes. are you gonna do? Yeah. Right. Okay. I'll do business so, with both. So so that the, there is that void yeah. for us to get involved now. Yeah. If we don't, we will regret, and then future generations will blame us. Yep. Let me ask you one more thing, and then I'll, and then we have a, a final two questions that we ask all our interviews. Um, I don't I don't know if there's a way to get to realistically get money out of politics. We have the problem here. Everyone likes to pretend like we don't have the problem here, but we do, because mm -hmm. politics here generally goes in favor of of the businesses that pay them. Mm -hmm. So if you got a guy bringing you a duffel bag full of hunnets, mm -hmm. how who how can you tell your presidential officials i'm talking about in, in africa mm -hmm. to not take that money when the poverty is so is the poverty is real though right mm -hmm. is that is it a real factor mm -hmm. so if you got if you have an opportunity let's say you're president of a country mm -hmm. and someone and some corporation let's say best bp best petroleum they bring you a, a couple of pallets full of hundred dollar bills how can you make that person not take it or shame them in such a way that they wouldn't want to take it you know okay. i'm glad you brought that question up okay our visionary leader who was assassinated yeah was in that predicament yeah oh that's probably why he was assassinated probably yeah, yeah. he told him okay that doesn't come through on the podcast <laughs> so they he, he basically told them yeah. to kick rocks okay let me share something with you yeah i don't give a damn right during the Cold War, yeah. they had two sets or two groups within the intelligence community. Yeah. They had the economic hitmen. Yeah. Then they had the spoilers. Economic hitmen. I've heard that term before. Okay. Yeah. The economic hitmen goes in. Just as the Chinese. Yeah. Except that with the Chinese it's, it's a different walking. Yeah. They go in, say to a head of state, exactly what you just said. Mm. Oh, we got this money. We want you to sign onto this deal. Mm. If you sign onto this deal, you, all this money is yours. Mm. 
if you don't sign under this deal, there could be problems. Man, that's mafia right there. Okay. Man. If the leader decides he's not going to sign under that deal, the economic hitman comes back, give his report hmm. to his superior. Superior, the superiors, what do they do? They send in the spoiler. The spoiler goes in to create havoc, hmm. to undermine that government. Wow. Look, that's what happened to my country. What kind of havoc? Assassination. Or political uprising. Political uprising. Yeah. Okay. The Overthro overthrow the government. Okay, that's what happened to my country. Hmm. When our visionary leader was killed, our com before he was killed, our country was experiencing economic success. <laughs> because what did he do? He opened the markets, not just to the West, but to Eastern Bloc countries. He said, everybody come in, let's do business. Wow. That's why our economy was doing so well. Man. Okay. And after he was taken out, the downward spiral began. Those who replaced him did worse than what he and others were accused of doing mm. by being involved in corruption. Hmm. Corruption today is at epic proportion in my country. The people are affected disproportionately. We had a beautiful infrastructure, everything destroyed. 250,000 of my fellow countrymen, women and children, were killed for nothing. The leaders, the visionary leaders of my country were all killed in cold blood. All you hear about Liberia is disaster. Oh, Ebola. How in the hell did Ebola get into my country? Exactly. Mm. No one wants to answer that. No. Okay. Yeah. They only focus on the negative. Yeah. Not the positive. As I said earlier, my country made meaningful contribution towards a lot of international events. The most important one was the Allied Forces victory over Nazi Germany. And why did that happen? Because my country is in a very strategic area of Africa. You can get to Europe, you can get to the United States easily. So they used the West, the Western forces, the Allied forces, used Liberia to refuel planes the and planes. Stuff. Yeah. That's how come that movie Red Till came about too. Because the, as I said earlier, the basis is in my country. Hmm. Okay. I love my country. Nobody can tell me a damn thing about my country. And I don't give a damn who they are. Because my country would have been further ahead than even the United States economically. Hmm. If they had not done what they did to us. The white hmm. supremacist ideology. Yeah. Divide and conquer. But it's a new day. It is a new day. It is. Wow. Powerful. Powerful. Very powerful, man. Yeah. If you if you look globally, Israel, Palestine, Kashmir, um, it's it's always the same. You take two parties, you make a unclear boundary line. They're going. It happens all the time. You have two groups that are fighting an oppressor. When they're finished, the oppressor go, "Oh, I'm going to leave." Um, 
y'all, y'all work it out. Mm-hmm. They have not built the social connections together to, to, to do it. Yeah. It's going to be... <laughs> it's going to be chaos. It's a classic British American model, yes. right? High five. Yes. The francophones that it yes. works every single time because it doesn't really matter what the groups are. So, we can divide he, ourselves into two. Mm. One of us could be the dominant party. In a few hours, once that person stops like doing it, even if you did it as a game, the new groups. It will be good for a while, and then they will compete because they want to be dominant. Mm-hmm. But listen, I, I still want to address why we somehow ca- like the Chinese have done it. No one's going to mess but with the Chinese country. anymore. They're one country. No, but listen, listen, listen to what I'm saying. We can't, and this is for Africa, and I've heard this from many. I know a lot of African people from different African countries. They all say the same thing: their their politics are corrupt. All right, but why is it we're always selling out? Like, why are we so scared of because, the economic hitmen? Okay. Okay. You're seeing, you're seeing the movie. Like we, ne- we don't stick together. We just want, we don't. Chinese do. Jews do. Uh, anyway, you, sorry. Go ahead. You, you're seeing the movie Django with uh, Sandia yes. L. Jackson. Yes. And, uh, boss, you sick? Me sick too, boss. Yeah. <laughs> we have Uncle Tom's. Well, we're broke. In, in America, our black people have gone through a, a, a horrible situation. But yeah. that's, not, it's, that's yeah. not the case over there, right? No, it's the same case. Is it? Yeah. Okay. We're all in the same boat, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of people don't, they use the power. <laughs> yeah, okay. so they became rich on black people's labor and Native Americans' labor, and then they got strong enough to go invade well, Africa. As I said earlier, look, my ancestors now check this out now. Yeah. My ancestors left from here, went all the way back to Africa. Oh, I know Liberia. Created, I know the story of Liberia. Okay, yeah, yeah. Created yeah. their own economic community, yeah. Yeah. just like the folks. Yeah. The, the uh, Black Wall Street. Yeah. Then. White supremacy followed them all the way to Africa. Yeah, okay. they come to, we, we still take. But I think this. I get your point. Is why because like, Chinese stick together. Yeah, like, like it's why not, can't they African people? They weren't yeah, all I that way. They yeah. got conquered. Yeah. Be like no, no, no. But you can't go into Beijing. Yeah. Some economic hitman like hey, yeah, they uh, did that. Deal. No, the, 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 the British did that. They the can't do that right now. Not, not right now. They, yeah, they not did it you can't go offer someone a briefcase or a pallet full of hundreds and be like, hey, do this, or we can. You wouldn't even do that because the Chinese. You wouldn't dis- well, the, but I'm saying that's what I'm saying. The Chinese will, uh, but they had to make that transition. Yeah. They, they came to a point in time, and this happens to a lot of groups when they said, We're no longer, we've seen when that happens, mm-hmm. that never works out well mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. We're not going to tolerate yeah. that. But and with, the people who us. will, we will put you down. Okay, yeah. but so that's the guy what who gets the power for the money yeah. is buried by his own people. But why is just look okay. at look at France? Why yeah. is France to this day mm-hmm. have $500 billion every single year mm-hmm. coming out of French African countries yeah. to this day? Mm-hmm. Why aren't they just be like, Nope, y'all ain't getting no more money? Yeah. Because well, we'd have to win that war against France. Yeah. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. But just do it though. And, and this, right. is, this is I what mean, happened. And remember that they build the infrastructure of countries like yeah. uh, Senegal, yeah. Ivory Coast. You go to those countries, you think you're in Paris. And they but left those infra- infrastructure these behind. These are still black countries yeah. though. Yeah, but yeah. now Africa is beginning to have what we call pan Africanist leaders. Yeah. That's the mindset I have. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Who are now putting the country's interests first yeah. before anything. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you have leaders in Tanzania, the guy in Rwanda that mm. suffered the um, the massacre. Mm. Uh, Paul Kigami, he's a Pan-Africanist. Okay. Uh, the guy in Kenya, Uhuru, his father was one of the active 
Pan-Africanist, Jomo Kenyatta. Mm. That story is similar to that of Haiti because they, they, his father was the one who started the Mama Society that got the British oh. out of Vietnam. <laughs> the yeah. Yeah, okay. You know who else so I like that, is Malima down in yeah, South Africa. Yeah. That dude's cold, yeah. man. I like him. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, so see, let me say this. The likes of my leader, mm-hmm. The visionary leader who was killed, yeah. uh, Patrice Lumumba of the Democratic yep. Republic of CIA the Congo, him. Yep. Um, uh, a, a young African leader named Thomas Sankara, hmm. Captain Thomas Sankara of Burkina Faso. I'm going to look up that name. Check him out. We just got listeners in Burkina something Faso too. Yeah, tell yeah. you something years old. Yeah. He was a, a true Pan-Africanist. Yeah. Okay, he was taken out. Okay, yeah. CIA. this goes on. Yeah, but now their successors are now looking at those visions hmm. and saying, listen, we're in a better position now to negotiate than our predecessors were hmm. because their hands were tied. Hmm. Now you have China, you have the West, everybody trying to get a piece of Africa. Mm-hmm. So it is left with African leaders now to be wise in those negotiations yeah. with their foreign counterparts. Yeah. And unfortunately for us, people of African descent, we have this mindset of me, myself, and I. Forget about everybody else. Yeah. Once we have arrived, yep. we don't try to reach back and help others. Yep. That's what one of my favorite athletes right now is uh, LeBron James because of what he did in Akron with the school, remember? Yeah, I, I like okay. that too. I Can you imagine that. if yeah. every NBA player where to and they could easily do done. it. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. What, what LeBron has done. Yeah. Can you imagine the effect that it would have it on would change, every community? It would change black Americans Okay. Yeah. permanently. So, yeah. so a, a, another solution to the problem has to do with the kind of leaders we elect. Yeah. I see the people on social media. If you're going to elect a corrupt official, you know already this person hasn't built uh, a school or empower your community. Yeah. Why are you gonna go vote for him? Yeah, to I take away you. your rights. Yeah, yeah you. vote for people who have a track record of what they have done. Yeah, don't just vote for them because they're part of your ethnic group. Or at or the, your, at the very minimum, hold them accountable. Hold them accountable. Like, don't too. just vote and walk yeah. away. Yeah. Like, that's what yeah. Americans because, do. Because they are serving. Yeah. They are servant of the people. Yeah, not the other way around. Yeah, yeah. You give them the power. You empower them to be in that position. Yeah. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, Mr. Jackson, uh, we like to end our podcast because we've been going on for quite a while now. Um, this has been extremely informative. This might be one of my favorite uh, interviews uh, so far. It's been a pleasure. Um, the pleasure is mine, too. We've been speaking about politics and stuff, but I wanted to take it back to business. Absolutely. What has been, and business-wise, mm-hmm. your biggest failure and your biggest success? <laughs> I like that question. All right. Business is about taking risks. Yeah. Especially when it comes to the continent of Africa. Yeah. It's not easy to start a business in Africa. Mm. When, I, when I began this joining, yeah. there's so many hurdles you have to go through, especially when you're dealing with corrupt government officials. Um, there were times I was, was in meetings, and we, we, we brought something to the table that will empower the whole country. Mm. And one or two persons would say, oh, well, you take care of me first before we take care of everybody else. <laughs> yeah. uh, what? Take care of you for what? Hmm. With all those people out there with needs? Yeah. 
to hell with you. I'm out of here. You need something that I have yeah. that's going to make a positive impact on your country. And do you think that I would compromise my moral scruples mm. to accommodate you? Yeah. To make you look good? No. And so, on my journey in both the public and private sector, I have established genuine relationships. Mm. So even if I'm not on the ground, I have people in both the public and private sector I can reach out to because we share the same mindset. That's the most important thing. Yeah. They know the passion. They know from whence I have come. Mm -hmm. They know my story. That's what moved them. That's what they gravitates to me. Yeah. Because they know I'm genuine. And, and in business, you got to have people who are genuine, whether here in the States or in Africa. Anywhere, yeah, absolutely. Anywhere, Yeah. okay? And, and, and so, in, in order to do that, you gotta do your due diligence by checking out who this person is you're gonna do business with. Look at their track record. What have they done to be successful? Mm. A failure to me creates a big comeback. I agree. Because yeah. you learn from your you past experiences. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And from those past experiences, you know where to cross the T's and dot your I's. Yeah. And so, again, when it comes to doing business in Africa, contacts mm. is the key. Credible contacts and knowing the system. Once you have those under your belt, you're good to go. So, I say to you, my dear brother, the continent is there for us. The opportunities are there mm. to explore. Everybody else going in there, despite all of the negativity we see on Western press, everybody's going in there but us. Why is that? Yeah, literally everyone, yeah. So, look, for credible partnerships, find a niche. That's one of the most important things too. Find something that you're not gonna waste your time and money. Something that is needed. And there are so many areas, technology, infrastructure development, the agribusiness sector, uh, technology, the list goes on. You, all you have to do, go on the internet, go on the EU, a website, the African Union website. They have list of African countries. In, in Africa, they have two economic communities. Well, I'm sorry, you said the African Union? The African a, Union website. That's a real... Uh, yeah, that's the African... Yeah, on it. Just like, just like NATO. What, uh, no, yes. but wait, was that what Gaddafi was doing or something like that? Mm. No, no Gaddafi, Gaddafi was... The, the, all African countries are members of the African Union. It used to be the OAU, Organization of African Unity, just like mm. the G8 or G20, the, the NATO. But what was he trying to do? Was he trying to do oh, something? He was trying to create a currency. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah by using gold. Yeah, but yeah, that wasn't going to happen. No, no. <laughs> They're not going to let Unfortunately. that happen. Wow. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you didn't know that? No. What yeah. Gaddafi was doing? Yes. Oh, man, we yes. got to educate you. Yes, yes. That's, uh, what, that's how he was taking out. He was trying to basically do the gold standard, which would have been... Yeah. That would have been some yeah. strong yeah. money. That would have yeah. been the strongest. Yes. Yeah. For the whole continent of Africa, yeah. he wanted to establish one kind of currency. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh That's what he was trying to do. So anyway. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, there you yeah. have it. Um, yeah. Christopher Jackson, it has been an honor, a pleasure, and a privilege. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Well, I just want to encourage your audience to look at Africa seriously. Okay. Despite all of the negativity that is coming out of the continent, don't believe everything you read or see on TV. Well, this is going to be an ongoing series here, the okay. Doing Business in Africa. I'll be glad to come back. Uh, and this is our second one, and we're definitely going to have you back. I'll be glad. It was a pleasure, yeah. man. Thank you so much, sir. See him here. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you all. I appreciate it. Um, this is Dom. It's been a blast. I know they kind of came in blast. halfway. <laughs> Um, did you have anything you wanted to say? Any, any yes. extra thing? Any question? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay, maybe one thing that I want to add. Okay, let me just put this just one thing I want I'm sorry, to what was your name again? It's Wasif. Wasif is here. Okay. He's going to have uh, add something here to yeah, the TNDP yeah, yeah. squad here. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. It. And, you know, it's really, like, in intellectual stuff you bring out here, man. We're Thank really, you. you know, appreciate it, Pretty interesting stuff. Thanks. Um, you know, the point that I want to bring out, right, is the whole tech scene. Um, you know, you see Silicon Valley and everything there, right? The idea is, you know, just what you have and what we have over there and just trying to take it over to Africa. That's mm -hmm. one of the things that I've been thinking about, just yeah. like looking over there and just, you know, what, what we can bring to okay. the continent of All Africa, right. right? So that that was one of the reasons we're going out there, me and okay. Dom. And I'm going to do something for you guys before I leave. Mm -hmm. I told you about a conference that is being held in Silicon Valley. Do you know that Google is already involved in Africa? Even in Liberia? <laughs> Probably, yeah. And it's not in China. <laughs> uh -huh. What you say? It's not in China. They don't have Google. They don't do Google. Yeah. They have their own thing. Yeah, they're an outsider. Yeah, yeah. 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 Google, Uber, uh, they're all in Africa. Mm -hmm. But anyway, this conference that's uh, supposed to be held this month in Silicon Valley addresses what you're talking about. Because mm -hmm. right, all right. of these mm -hmm. major tech companies want mm -hmm. to go into Africa now because yeah. they see the opportunities. Yeah. The Chinese have opened a lot of people's eyes. Mm -hmm. yeah. you know, I, I mean, granted, most of what the, the Chinese are doing are not in the best interest of the African people. But what they have done, they have allowed the world to see what Africa values, the intrinsic values of Africa yeah. in terms of its both human and natural resources. So it's an opportunity for us to explore. And, and uh, as um, my, my, um, one of my idols, uh, Mr. Reginald Lewis, I spoke about earlier yeah. said, why should the Chinese have all the fun? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, yeah. yeah. Why can't we? Of course. And we are not course. limited. Yeah. It has been a pleasure. And if there's one thing you take away from this, um, please, please, failure is uh, only a, a building block of success. And we yes. said this last week in the... Uh, other doing business in Africa podcast. Uh, it was a couple hours ago. But for you guys, uh, that was last week. Um, so, you know, you take your failures and learn from yes. them and don't be scared of the unknown. You know, there's a lot that we don't know about Africa. And let's educate ourselves so that we can actually go forward and make money here. I mean, we can make money. It's lots, a money making lots of money to be made. This is not money. just a charity event, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. So um, let's utilize this. There's a lot of uh, resources, a lot of know-how that we can go to Africa and, and build and not have the, 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 the racist boot of <laughs> white supremacy on our neck like it is here. You know, if you can survive here in America and have a business that's thriving, you can go into Africa and just go crazy. <laughs> just be balling out of control. Yeah. You, anyway. you can have the best of both worlds. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, any final words uh, to my co-host? 
I'm I'm just glad. I I knew Chris was gonna come on. Man, he came it. through, son. Chris <laughs> Jackson, yes. legendary, legendary Chris Jackson interview. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, thank it has you. been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. One, one. Peace. Wow. Peace. Thank you. Thank you.